0: There is no room for God in those who are already full of themselves. Merry Christmas, right? In 2014, my parents uh, decided they wanted to get their vows renewed. And so they decided, hey, let's go on a cruise to the Caribbean and let's do this vow renewal. And they invited friends, some family members, some staff members here. At the church. And, uh, man, at the time I was a young, single, like, college student. And my brother who's here, he was 12 years old at the time. And so guess who needs to room together when you have a young, single college student and 12-year-old brother. We had to room together. And I was like, I remember I told Morgan, I was like, listen, dog, I don't care what you do. Like, I don't care, um, like, where you go. I don't care what you eat. As long as you don't die. Like, that was my (laughs) instructions. Just don't die, fall off the boat, whatever. And I'm sure as a middle school student, I'm sure as a middle school student, he heard, like, the glorious word of freedom, right? And so I remember uh, when we got onto this cruise. and, And if you don't know anything about a cruise, let me break it down for you. Like, the cruise... It's like this giant entertainment center, like, on water. Like, it's incredible, like, the different, you know, the pools, hot tubs, the different shows, all this stuff that you can do. But what a cruise is really notorious for is the amount of food that you can eat. Amen. Somebody's been on a cruise? Anybody? Yeah, like if you have not and you are prepared to go, just expect to gain 15 to 20 pounds on day one. Like that's just how it is. Because there's like buffets, there's, there's like restaurants and dining rooms and formal dining rooms. There's, there's ice cream machines like all over the ship. And like there's a 24-hour there's a pizza parlor that you can eat pizza at any given moment, at any given time of the day. And here's the cool thing. It's all free. Praise God. And so I remember I told my brother, like, yo, do whatever. Like, I don't care. Don't die. And he had, like, the freedom, 12 12 years old to do whatever. And day one, he goes crazy. Like, he just puts the luggage in the room and he just takes off. I have no idea where he went. But then I find him in the buffet. And this brother is eating everything. Like, he's like, no one's watching. And like, you know, my brother was adopted. And so maybe he had like, like, I just need to take all the food in for me. And so he's eating burgers and fries and all this stuff. And he's just like consuming everything. And so he goes to the buffet. And then he goes to the dining room. And he's eating all the food there. And then it was time for formal dinner. But guess where he was prior to formal dinner? He was in the buffet Before dinner, he was having pre-dinner. And he's eating everything in buffet. (coughs) We get to the dining room. We sit down. We're dressed nice. He orders appetizers. He's eating all the appetizers. He orders two lobsters, a steak, and potatoes. And he's just eating that. (coughs) He's eating all the desserts. You name it. And then after dinner, he goes and gets more food from the buffet. He goes to the ice cream place. He's eating ice cream dessert. You would think he would be done. But just a few hours later, he's back in the pizza parlor eating all the pizza as much as possible. Now, I remember that first day, like, he's going crazy. I'm like, all right, Doug. And I remember we were in our room, and I'm laying down, and I, like, turn over on my side to see him. And he is, like, laying down like this. He's, like, laying in the fetal position just like this, and his eyes are just staring at me like that. Like, he was just glassed over eyes. And, like, I thought he was unconscious. Like, I'm like, bro, are you okay? Like, it just looked really scary. And so I remember saying, hey, bro, you good? And he went to go speak and open up his mouth. But words didn't come out. Every food item that he ate that day just started to spew out all over the floor, all over the room. Now, I'm a good brother. I'm a good brother, so I started to yell at him. I said, no! You're making the room smell. Stop! Like, I'm just like, stop it. And I, I remember calling room service. I was like, hey, my brother's throwing up all the food. I don't know why he did all this stuff. And I'm like, sir, is he okay? I was like, is he okay? Am I okay? I don't know if I'll be able to sleep tonight. I don't think he even looked at food for the rest of the week. There's no room for God in those who already full of themselves. Today as we continue our series, Home for Christmas, I just want to ask this question, what is happening? CB, forgive us for interrupting the message. Great story. Was that a true story, Morgan? It it was indeed true, and I do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So during the, the, the moment you walked up here on stage, Morgan saw you walking in in some pretty sweet shoes, and he just said, oh, my God. And I was like, what's up, bro? What happened? Can you just, this is a fun story. Can you just share? I you bought these shoes from Jacob Frauster and forgot to pick them up. So I was waiting to put them on so that you saw them on me first before you. Y'all didn't realize that he's playing a prank on Morgan wearing some pretty amazing shoes that cost how much? But Those are a lot. How much? few hundred dollars, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are expensive shoes. So, so CB is, like, pranking his brother, but you don't know the whole story. So, Morgan, do you want to kind of share? Uh, so I originally bought those for you for Christmas. <laughs> so I guess Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. So he goes, bro, my brother's pranking me, but I pranked. That's awesome. That's, that's cr- Merry, Merry Christmas, CB. Here we Thanks. go. He said, I would do it again. I would eat all that food again. Again, home for Christmas. The question I have for us as we talk about that story, and uh, it was just a funny moment just to see him throw it all up. And uh, the question I have is, what are you full of? What have you consumed? Or better yet, what is consuming you? See, because here's the reality. I, I love during this Christmas season watching everybody get Cheerful and joyful about all oh, the lights and the decorations and all that stuff. But what I've come to realize is that sometimes the things of Christmas can distract us away from Christ. It can distract us away from Jesus. And, I, I, and what's, what's often that I see in this Christmas time is that we get all this holiday cheer and we substitute it for the love And the joy of Christ. And so today as we're talking about home for Christmas, what what are you full of? What are you consuming? What has consumed you? See, all these things are not bad. The things at Christmas are not bad unless it distracts you from Christmas. Like the the decorations and the presents and, and the Christmas parties and the lights. Nothing's wrong with that except that I've come to learn as I got older. That where your focus goes, your priority flows. And oftentimes in Christmas, if our focus and our gaze is only on the things of the holiday season, of the Christmas season, that it can distract us of why we came to even celebrate. To me, it's kind of like going to a birthday party party. And all we do is we celebrate the decorations of a birthday party. Maybe give gifts to one another instead of the birthday boy himself. And we honor everybody else except for the person that's supposed to be honored. There's no room for God in those who are already full of themselves. Now, maybe those things might not be the thing distracting you. But maybe you might be filled with other things. Like Bill talked about last week, like sometimes home for Christmas is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. And we might have, you might be, be going through something really terrible or a trial or, or maybe the Christmas season has brought negative thoughts of things that has happened in the past. Or, or maybe you're here in this season and it's hard for you to have this joy and this cheer because we are filled with unforgiveness, bitterness, selfishness. And if we're not careful, church, if we're not careful that we can be filled with so many things like this and not have room for Jesus. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. right? Luke is in the New Testament and it's the gospel account of Jesus' life through the eyes of Luke. Now, This story is about the story of Joseph and Mary and their journey uh, for the birth of Jesus. And in this story is some dreaded words. Some terrible dreaded words that is written in the Bible that many of us, probably if you overlook it too much, we don't understand the magnitude. But those dreaded words are, there was no room for them in the end. Now, oftentimes we look at that statement and we say... Man, I can't believe that innkeeper. Like, we're ready to throw stones. We're ready to, you know, just like, I can't. if, If I was there, if I was that person, I would have done something differently. And today, can I just ask you, may we not come in with pride and say, man, I would have done something differently. But may we humble ourselves and say, Lord, are you trying to tell me something or is this a glimpse of what our culture is like in receiving you today? And so Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Let me just stop right there. I love looking at this because we as followers of Jesus should get excited about just that scripture. You're like, what's so excited about a decree? Here's the reality. What you just saw there is a historical event that actually happened. Like a... Like you can, aside from the Bible, there is proof that there was a decree written from Caesar Augustus for everyone to be registered. That for me is exciting because what it's saying is history also validates the word of God. But let me just tell you what's happening in this context, okay. When when this decree is being written before Caesar Augustus, understand that. This, the world was in turmoil. Like it was in chaos. There were so many like wars. And so Caesar Augustus comes into the scene. He comes into power and he brings peace. How does he do it? He does it in three ways. Caesar Augustus brings peace by defeating all the rivals and all the enemies. So there's no more wars. And then the second thing that he does is that like he he brings this political stability. And so like even in our culture today there's... Political instability, and so here's here's Caesar Augustus bringing political stability. So people are trusting him, and the third thing he brings all these finances from Egypt to help the Roman uh, economy boost them, the economy up, and so people people are like, man, this guy's him, right? But here's what happened: Caesar Augustus he actually told the Roman Senate to give him the title of Augustus, which is translated as exalted and sacred. See, at that point, no longer was the Roman Empire governed by republic laws, but now by an individual. He became the first emperor of the Roman Empire. Which goes and gives us a glimpse of the world that Jesus was born into. A world... Hungry for a savior, even if it wasn't this man. And so verse 2 says this, this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Now, why is this important? Well, here's the reality. This, this census was not to, like, get some numbers, to take a population poll. Like, I wonder how many people, like, this wasn't to get statistics to put on Wikipedia. Like, the reason why for this census was to tax everyone In the Roman Empire. And then verse 3 says this So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now I'm gonna nerd out on this scripture a little bit. Everyone to his own city. Why is this a big deal to me? Because as I started studying this scripture, I didn't just take it as, oh, wow, I've heard this story before. I started to really nerd out on this and I realized some things. First, I realized when I grew up as a Christian my whole life, hearing this story, I auto—I don't know, maybe it was just me, I don't know about you. But I always assumed that when there was no room at the inn, that Joseph and Mary was like in this random city, in this random town. And that this this innkeeper was this stranger that didn't even know Jesus or Joseph. I always thought that. But if you look at the context, it says... Everyone went to be registered to his own city. Joseph was from Bethlehem. He knew all the things in Bethlehem. He knew the friends. He had family members there. And they knew him. He was literally going home for Christmas. But this is where it takes a turn. In Luke two, when we talk about the inn, that there was no room at the inn, that same word in Luke two, katalema, is the same word for inn in Luke twenty-two, where Jesus doesn't say inn; he says guest room. It's a different word than in Luke ten, when Jesus talks about the good Samaritan, and the good Samaritan here you now helps this wounded guy and takes him to an inn. Different word meaning hotel. You're like, what does it have to do with anything, chocolate bear? Let me put two and two together for you. This is Joseph and Mary going back to their hometown where they would know the people there. Their friends, their family were there. And the inn that that there was no room for wasn't a hotel of a stranger, but a guest room most likely from a friend family member or extended family member. To me, when I read it, I'm like, it's deeper than just someone just saying, ah, sorry, don't have place for you. But this is possibly like a friend or family member that would have known Joseph and Mary and did not have room for them in the guest room. And I asked the question this, is that us? Lord, is that us? That you want to be welcomed into our home, but we don't even have room for you in our guest room. In our guest room, and we put you in a stable. Verse 4 says this, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. I love that. This is like, this is prophecy fulfilled that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And then verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her, her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because, there it is, there was no room for them in the inn. Guys, this is crazy. Like, if you really think about it, I, I, I wrestled a little bit with this, like... This is insane. Like I I had to have the moment with God and have the conversation like, God, you are the king of the universe. You are the creator. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You are worthy. Like you are everything. Wouldn't you set this up better than not having room for your one and only son? Wouldn't you... Wouldn't you change, wouldn't, wouldn't they, he, your son be welcomed and, and people are joyful to receive? And I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the moment uh, and was like maybe this was a foreshadowing of how God's people would receive him today. That we don't welcome him and don't have room for him. And so here's what I want to do. I kind of just went through different reasons possibly why there was no room for them in the end. And there are probably some other ones that, you know, after I did some study, but there were four that really just stuck out to me. And before we say, oh, well, that was their fault, may we ask ourselves, maybe you ask yourself and reevaluate your life and say, man, is this me? And so first reason I, 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 I believe that there was no room In the end for them was this, first, possibly the innkeeper could have been too busy from the other guests. Been too busy from the other guests. So understand there was a census, so everybody had to go back to their hometown. Everyone's traveling back to their own place. And so I'm sure that added more visitors to the town. More people needed a guest room. More people needed, a, and and I'm sure everyone's like trying to figure things out. And so I'm sure the, the, the innkeeper is like, okay, all right, you go there, you go, you know, or, you know, there just wasn't enough just just organization because they're trying to, they just felt overwhelmed and, hey, I got to deal with this problem. I got to deal with this. I got to help them get their stuff ready. And they just, he just didn't have enough time. And he was too busy. This reminds me of scripture when Martha and Mary, there was an opportunity, Jesus was coming and Martha was too busy. And she was mad at Mary. Hey, why? Tell Martha to help me. And Jesus goes, well, man, you've, you've really missed it. And the most important thing is to be with me. Are we too busy in this Christmas season? Are we too busy to receive the Messiah? One, I think he might have been too busy. Two, there's another possible reason. The innkeeper didn't have an expectation of receiving Jesus. He didn't have an expectation of of receiving Christ, what do I mean by this? Maybe if, if the innkeeper knew, like what if the, maybe maybe if the innkeeper would have known, maybe he would have done something about it. Like maybe if he had a, a vision from, from an angel or from the Lord that the Messiah was coming, maybe he would have reserved a spot that no matter how chaotic it was, that he would have like, No, this room is off limits for the Messiah, or maybe. if he would have known, like when Joseph and Mary came and, and maybe there was a sign or a star or something, maybe if he would have known that that was the Messiah that she was to give birth to, maybe he would have, you know what? Hey, we have no room, but take my room. I'll sleep in this stable. But he didn't have an expectation of receiving Jesus. I wonder how many times... We miss Jesus because we don't have an expectation of receiving him. Like, can I just say this? Like, I definitely believe in church attendance, belonging to a small group, and, and, and serving. And But if you don't have an expectation of God to move, you might miss out on receiving him. Like, you can come in on a Sunday and be like, I'm going to... Sit here for an hour and listen. But if you don't have an expectation for God to transform you, don't be surprised when you leave these doors and you didn't receive it. It's the same thing when we open up God's word. Like if we don't have an expectation that God's word is to transform our life, that we'll be changed, that whatever he, he says will reveal something to us that, 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 that we need to take away from our own lives and be more like him. If you don't have that expectation, then after you're done reading, it is a checkbox. Then it is something that you just did. Number one, maybe the innkeeper could have been too busy. Number two, maybe he didn't have an expectation of receiving Jesus. Here's the third thing that is a possible reason: maybe the innkeeper didn't see the personal gain to make this a priority. Maybe when Joseph and Mary came, it was like, "Hey, we need a place to stay." You know, you know, Mary's uh, pregnant. Maybe he didn't see the the personal game. Like it would be noble if he gave a room, a guest room, and made, a, made space for, for the Messiah, or for, for Mary and Joseph, but it, maybe it wasn't profitable. Because Joseph was known in his hometown, I wonder if the innkeeper was like, Joseph, aren't you a carpenter? You don't have any money to give me. Why should I do this? And how often do we treat our, treat our relationship with God in the same manner? Where we treat Jesus with this question first. Well, what does this benefit me? And we step into a relation with God like, okay, God, I'll do this. But what do I gain from it? Hey, I'll surrender. But how are you going to bless me? And we step into his word like, oh, you want me to obey in it. But how is this profitable for me? Let's go to the Scripture. That what shall profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul. One, he could have been too busy. Two, maybe he didn't have an expectation of receiving Jesus. Three, maybe he didn't see the personal gain. Or number four, maybe there was literally no room. Maybe he was too full and that there was no space. Again. There's no room for God to those who are already full of themselves. Are we too full? Are you too full? Let me explain it like this of what what it looks like to be full where God can't fill you. I'm going to show you with a little illustration because it's getting a little tense in here, okay? All right, so behind curtain number one, what is it? All right, I've got a little thing to help me illustrate with talking about shopping. Nobody? I get it. Some of y'all are like, how did this brother get a shopping cart? Well, listen, I'm not from Texas, and I keep hearing y'all say, come and take it. Come and take it. So I... I'm just kidding, I didn't do that. I borrowed it. okay? Uh, I actually asked permission, so don't have to write that email or hit me up on Instagram and be like, "I can't believe this guy. sinned." All right. This is what it looks like when we are too full for Jesus to fill our lives. We start off empty. We're like, "Lord, I'm so, I surrender it all to you. Like I, I'm empty before you." And, and what we do is we, we go to Jesus, we go to the cross, and we're like, "Lord. I want to spend time with you. But what happens is we get distracted. We just squirrel. Ah, right? And so we're like, Jesus, I want to spend time with you. But wait, hold on. I got to gotta go put up my Christmas tree. Because it's, yeah. I, I know someone cheered. Um, that probably was Stephanie. She put her Christmas tree in January for December. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, I, I got to put my Christmas tree up. Um, and so let me do that. I know I want to spend time with you, but God, look, I still have some space for you. I still have some space. So God, uh, you can fit still here. And so we said, you know what, Jesus, I want to prioritize my life. I want to organize my life, make sure that you get my whole schedule. But before, hold on, before I do that, I got I to gotta fix these tangled lights and put up my decorations. Because I don't know who did it last year. but. Golly, they did a horrible job. And so let me make sure I fix these lights and put up some decorations. These are cute. All right, let's add these. And we'll say, All right. Sorry, God. I know I missed that, but I, have, I still have some room for you, God. And I, I still want to, uh, this year, be very generous. And I love that we're doing Kingdom Builders, Fire Bible. I want to be generous to you, but but hold on. Inflation just hit. And so I got to go, I got sure I, I to make sure I spend money on, on those gifts first. I got to go buy gifts for my, my family or my kids, make sure that toy or that friend. And then I need to get some wrapping paper because for some reason we never have enough wrapping paper. I don't know why. So like, okay. I, I filled it up a little bit, but I, I think I still have, I can... Jesus I can still fit you in this in this cart and so this year I want to be, I want to make sure Lord I want to spend time in church and get get my friends and family here and then I want to spend time in community with my small group but hold on before you do that I got my Christmas party that I got to make sure I get ready for and so I cook a good roast and so make sure I have my food that ready prepared and uh, cooking brisket there's no brisket in here but if you cook a good brisket holler at your boy right um and then that christmas party we we'll always do a white elephant so i bought the cheapest thing that no one likes the assortment of popcorn right <laughs> thanks man. and so jesus i i got all this stuff but i i still have some room lord i could still fit you in here and And this year, I want to put you on display, Jesus. I want people to know that you are my Savior, you are my Lord. I want to put you on display, but but hold on, because I need to take family photos and uh, get my kids to wear the same outfit, the red plaid, and and smile, and we need to take family photos. I don't know who these white people are, but I guess they're my family now, Hannah's side maybe. Um, And so let's make sure I fit time and effort into getting these family photos in. All right. Okay. All right. God. All right. Now I know I still have some space. Um, Maybe a little bit down here. Okay, God, I'm going to evangelize this year for you. I want to invite people to the, to Christmas next next week. And so I want to be on mission for you. But wait, hold on. Um, this is this is my vacation time. I'm on Christmas break. I don't want to do that. Can I just chill for a little bit? Can I just for once just take a nap and go to sleep and sleep in? Can I just do that for a little bit? And, and uh, I'll fit this in. Over here, and so maybe okay. All right, all right, God. Uh, I know there's there's possibly some room somewhere. No, there's room for me, especially. You know what, God? I know this is chaotic, but I still want you to be Lord over my life. I want you to have it all. I want you. I want to surrender it all, and you be Lord over my life. But. But I still want to hold on to my sin and I still need to keep hold of that and fit that in because I don't want to give that up this year God I, I, I know I got all this stuff but you understand right? You understand this is this holiday season it's kind of a little bit more busy and Got a lot more stuff. Oh, you know what? I know I wanted to put all of you in this, in, in my life, but I'm Christian enough to know that Jesus is the reason for the season. And so if I can just scale you down a little to just a little bit of you. Maybe if I could just get a little bit of you this season and you can just... Fit somewhere in here so that I can say that I honored you with my life. Church, how often does our life look a little bit like this where we have every intention of being filled with more of God, but we get so distracted. But the things that take us away from him. Here's the reality Home for Christmas. The question I have is Is Jesus welcomed in your home? Are you putting him in a stable? Does he have room to move? Or you just create a little pocket where he'd be able to fit? Here's the reality. We can't ask God to make room for us in heaven if we have yet to make room for Him in our hearts.